0: We are back for another episode of Masu Ask Avo podcast. Today we have amazing guests here that and I'll let them introduce themselves. But uh, before I pass on the mic, did I even say my name? My name is Jenny. If I did I say that? I don't know. I right. don't oh, think you did. <laughs> no. All right. My name is Jenny Tam, pronounce she her hers, and I am one of the masu advocacy chairs and for my avocado dish we are back we are back with the original avocado dish it's not even a dish it is straight avocado and then you fill it with sugar let me do that youtube thing okay (laughs) my dish that's what I'll be eating
1: I, I guess I can go next. Hi, everyone. I'm Yusuf, pronouns he, him, his. And uh, for my avocado dish, I got a, uh, this is a Indonesian type, like, what is it? Avocado drink called like juice avocado. And uh, yeah, it's like a mix of like crushed avocados, some milk, and uh, I added some chocolate syrup in here. Um. Yeah, I'm going to be sipping this throughout the entire podcast. So let's hope I finish it. hope I don't. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I forgot to mention I am a uh, undergraduate second year at the U. There.
2: Okay. Um, hi everyone. I'm Nisa. Ronan. She. Her. Hers. Um, I'm a recent graduate um, from the U. And I also have a, a, the same drink as Yusuf, but I kind of made it differently. Um, so yeah, same juice apuca. But I like crushed the avocados with like a spoon because it's like really ripe and I didn't need to use like a blender. Um, And then I put like crushed ice in it and I just poured some chocolate milk over it. So it's kind of the same thing, but kind of not. But yeah, that's me.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I've had the crushed avocado like drink thing. Usually put like condensed milk, but I've never tried it with, chocolate milk or like chocolate syrup i love chocolate
2: there are some versions of this with condensed milk too like i've had it with like literally just like crushed ice avocados and then with condensed milk and then with chocolate syrup so like and then the ice kind of just melts and that's how you drink it i don't know there's a lot of variety yeah yeah
0: i love chocolate i should try it
2: you really should it's really good (laughs) hard
0: So today we have Yusuf and Nisa here to explore the intersectionality um, between like this East Asian narrative, um, Southeast Asian narrative and um, the Muslim identity. Um, And so those are very, very big and broad identities. So um, the stories and narratives that they'll be sharing um, might not perfectly fit everyone. Um, And more specifically, they are Indonesian. Um, So, yeah, Um, I can pass y'all the mic to maybe like share generally how that how navigating those two identities have been like in the context of like America um, and growing up in like the education system and stuff.
2: Well, that's why I think it's interesting because both Yusuf and I kind of have different experiences um, with our Indonesian um, and Muslim identity growing up, or specifically South East Asian. Um, I guess if we're going to speak on like a more general term, um, Southeast Asian Muslim experience growing up. Well, because I don't know why I said well. That sounded like I was gonna start like a lecture or something. Oh my god. Um, sorry, I like had something in my head this entire time. And I know you're not supposed to touch your eyes. So please don't touch your eyes, you guys. COVID is going around. I promise you my hands are clean. Okay, that was like completely derailed. Jenny, you can- Oh my God.
0: (laughs) I do the same. You know, like I like pull on my eye to scratch it because I don't want to like rub it. So like-
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I was born in Indonesia. Uh, My family and I moved around quite a bit. And then we moved to the U.S. in- 2008 yeah so when I was in third grade um, I had spent some time before going to school in Indonesia and also in Germany so I guess my experience with being a Muslim in all these different places um, varied a lot um, obviously when I was in kindergarten in Germany I didn't remember much but when I was you know a Muslim in Indonesia it kind of it's you know it's a great time You're, you know everyone's kind of like you you um, everyone's you know, like we pray together, we'd fast um, together, this and that in school. Whereas when I moved to the U.S. in like third grade, um, it was, it like, it was kind of like a much, like it was not kind of, it definitely was a much different experience. Like I, um, I didn't really have a lot of Muslim friends growing up. Um, even though I like went to a predominantly like Somali like school, um, I had, I somehow got looped into like an Asian group of friends um, it was it was me um, like mostly an Asian group of friends like I had like the typical um like Asian like middle school experience with like you know like girls generation anime manga all of that I was I was in that that was me you know like um I was bopping 2G with my friends in like middle school but yeah anyways so me and my group of friends um two Cam- Buddhist Cambodian girls and then one um Muslim Somali girl and myself we been friends since middle school actually since like fifth grade and then up until now we're still really close friends um so that's kind of how I kind of I like to think of it when I was in middle school like I'm like the in between of like all of my friends like I have like my friend's Asian identity and then I have like um my other friends like Muslim identity I'm like both of them in one person um I always thought of it like that was really funny to me growing up but um I guess like that was kind of how I balanced both of my identities as I grew up, and once I got into high school, we all went, we, didn't, we went to the same high school, but we all kind of drifted for a bit, and I started becoming friends with more, um, like, like, I kind of had a bigger friend group, and there weren't that many Asians or Muslims in the friend group, and I I, think I could easily say that, like, once I was in that group, I kind of felt, that was when I felt the most, like, detached from my Muslim and, like, Asian identity, and I think what I kind of learned from all of this is that, like, the people that I surround myself, they, like, build up and, they build up my identity and kind of make me who I am, if that makes sense. Um, There's definitely a better way to phrase that, but, yeah, so that's me.
1: Yeah, I was born in the U.S., in contrary to Nisa. um, Yeah, kind of growing up, I had like a general like a solid amount of like friends and I think what is it when I was in like kindergarten or something like that I had some neighbors move in they were Cambodian uh, of Cambodian descent and we just hitched it off really well we got along really well just because like we were neighbors and we were both Asian and uh, it was just a really a really good time and um, honestly just kind of growing up like a lot of I had a lot of friends from like different like cultures and like races but most of them are I guess Asian and um, like in elementary school wise, like a lot of the, like the people at school that I talked with like were those like my my best Cambodian friends, like they were neighbors. We all went to the same school. And then just like everyone in general, like we, we everyone was good friends. Like race wasn't that really a big deal. In terms of like Muslim identity, like growing up in like elementary school, like I kind of kept that at home to be honest. Because like there weren't that many Muslim kids in like my school either. um Yeah, it was predominantly like not non-Muslim and just keeping it at home I think at one point though my mom wanted me to like start praying at school because like um around that time it was like in the winter and then like sunset would come sooner so I had to like make some five day some of the five daily prayers at school so I wouldn't miss them when sunset hit and uh yeah I think I was praying at one point and it was it was a weird feeling but like and like what is it the substitute teacher he's like yo stop doing your exercises kid and I'm like yo okay I, 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 I couldn't stop doing it because I was in the middle of prayer but like it kind of it kind of hit wrong but it's whatever and I think like growing up I think in like fifth grade or something we were doing this activity like sorting activity where like it was kind of like icebreakers and then I think like an, a question that like the teacher asked like they'd ask a question and then like, if you identified with it, you'd like move to one side of the room and then you'd move to another side of the room if you didn't. And then she's all like, yo, go to this side of the room if you celebrate Christmas. And then I was on the other side where I didn't and that was the only one like in that class that didn't celebrate Christmas. And then I think that was the first moment I'm like, oh, dang, I'm, I'm really like a minority here. Like in terms of like Muslim identity and stuff. But like so in general, it didn't let me stop me from like getting along with everyone. We were all still good friends. I think in like middle school and like going through like middle school and high school, I generally like in school, I identified a lot with like the Asian group of friends because like that Cambodian friend group, the, the Cambodian neighbor friends that I had. Like they were like mutually friends with like everyone in the school and like they kind of got me introduced to like all the Asian people and just like we we all just kind of identified with each other. We had like we liked the same things like I guess um, a lot of us were into gaming, uh, cars, and like anime and Korean culture. And uh, yeah, I really identified with like all those kids, like growing up in high school, like there weren't that many Muslim people in our high school either or middle school. Um, They were mostly Somali, but they weren't like practicing Muslims that I'd usually surround myself with. Like they weren't like showing their like Muslim identity in school. Like, so I just gravitated towards like the Asian community in our middle and high school. And um, I think like to preserve my Muslim identity, like I obviously kept it at home. And like, my dad kept us like more religious, like at home, like, and I was honestly like, it was hard to incorporate that religious aspect in school, because like, there wasn't anyone like religious to be with. And um I think the, the way that I kept my Muslim identity preserved I think like, I was at a gathering, there were some kids from my mosque, my mosque. And like, they that friend group that I have, like, we're still all like, really close friends today. And just like, being around them, like, it really helped me like, I guess navigate my Muslim identity more and like be more like proud of it and just um yeah just like being with them like I could be more like free like as my Muslim identity and like they didn't really care too much about like if I was Asian or not like we were all like generally Muslim they're all like generally like South Asian Desi and like Somali and we were all we all like really hitched it off we were all really good friends but um yeah just having that friend group to like let my Muslim identity, like, flourish, and then, like, having, like, my Asian friends in the high school where I could just be Asian and, like, preserve that side of me it was pretty cool, so, like, just, like, it was honestly just keeping those two identities separate within, like, middle and high school, and then when college hit, like, going to, like, a community college for PSEO and just going to college in general, I started seeing more of, like, both, both types of friend groups, like, in the same place, like, it was, like, it, whereas high school was just, like, everyone was, like, you knew the same people like growing out like nobody like left or came in but like college like everyone in like the Twin Cities area that I knew like went to like the colleges that I went to and just being able to like juggle those two in like the same place was like honestly a really good thing too so it, I had a lot less like identity issue like as I grew up and like finding the right people to surround myself with like Nisa said just like being around the right people in the right environment that just uh, helps to navigate that.
2: Can I actually add on to that point you made about, like, praying in school? Um, I, like, laugh because it was really funny to me and really silly that he thought you were exercising. But obviously, it's not funny. (laughs) Um, Like, um, I think for me, one time, it was so bad that, like, I, like, try to actually hide the fact that I had to pray at school. Um, I, like, during, like, seventh hour, like, five minutes before, not five, like, ten minutes before class would end, I had not like not ten minutes because we weren't allowed to go ten minutes before class, but like, it's like thirty minutes before class would end. I'd ask my teacher if I could go to the bathroom. When really I'd like go and pray. Um, and I, I did it so much, like I did it for like every like badminton game that I had. I used to play, I used to play sports in high school, so like we have games afterwards, and like if you had a game, I'd have to pray before I go, and so I could get all the, like five daily prayers in. Um, so like whenever we'd have a game, I'd like go and like I'd be gone for like the full ten minutes. Um, to go and pray and this happened maybe like three times a week um I got to a point where my math teacher she was like Lisa, you need to stop going out so much and I was like like you need to stop going to the bathroom for so long and I was like it's like it's not that big of a deal like kids go out they, they go to the bathroom and it take you know five ten minutes all the time like why like what's the problem um I don't know what you know like I don't know what pushed her to do this but like she ended up emailing my parents about it they were like she was like Yeah, your daughter keeps going to the bathroom for like really long periods when I like it's only like it wasn't even like ten minutes. Um, she emailed them and she's like, like what like what is she doing? Like, I don't know what she thought I was doing. Like like was that like did she think I was like doing drugs or something? I don't know. But like I was literally just praying. (laughs) Um but yeah, so I told my parents, they like sat me down, they're like, What like what were you like what were you doing? Like my parents I, like, didn't tell them that I was praying either. So, I had to tell, like, I told them, I was, like, yeah, I was just praying. You know, I was praying before, like, badminton games. And they were, like, why didn't you just tell her? And I was, like, I don't know why I didn't tell her. I, like, like, I think, you know, like, now looking back at it, like, I still don't know why I didn't just tell her that I needed to go pray. Um, like, yeah, it was weird that she had to, like, I don't know, go out of her way. And, like, I don't want to say she was assuming the worst out of me, but, like, email my parents and asked them, why I was taking so long to go to the bathroom but like after that i was like why didn't i just tell her praying at school that was definitely a challenge
1: (laughs) yeah praying in school like definitely is a big thing to like figure out too i think like how you find it like awkward just bringing that up like i i always have that like premonition to like oh um yeah it's just it's just weird like bringing that up to a like like a higher up in like the u.s and um because like it's it's so different from like their normal culture like that they have here with like a lot of my friends, this, this is going off on a tangent, but like my friends from like other schools, like my mosque friends, there was a big Islamic community at their school. Like they had a whole MSA and everything, like Muslim Student Association, whereas my school, like there weren't like as many like willing to make an MSA. So um, yeah, I was kind of just alone in that sense. So I had to uh, bring it up to, uh, I think my counselor, I'm like, yo, I need a I need a place to pray so, like, she let me use her office, like, between, like, some of my high school hours. I think, like, yeah, once you get older, like, in college especially, like, at the U, they have all, they have the Almadena Cultural Center, uh, plug, that's my student group, but anyway, <laughs> they have the room that they, like, let people pray in, and honestly, just, like, having, like, specific places and, like, the certain places there you can go, yeah, just being able to, like, let that, let prayer, like, be more integrated into, like, the daily schedule, that was, like, very convenient.
0: Well first off thank you for sharing and like honestly the part about the gym teachers and like just like navigating school sounds like so specifically the Christmas example I feel like that was unnecessary like I felt like for that teacher to like that's just unnecessary like why did you do that like yeah, I gain from <laughs> What did, what did the class gain from it? Did you dedicate lessons to talk about these different cultures? Like, I don't understand. I don't know. That's just really upsetting. And like,
1: it probably wasn't that big of a deal. Like just getting to know, like just the diversity in the class, but yeah, it did feel weird to be singled out. It probably wasn't their intention to like make me feel that like weird at the time, but it's (laughs) microaggression. And,
0: and exactly. So I think it, is a big deal because these microaggressions add up eventually, like they just like compound, like it it might've been just this like Christmas example, but then there's like not having a place to pray, like having that not even be acknowledged. And then Nisa, your teacher, your teacher who just like was so nitpicky about the time that you had is I like, I guess like for me, you were doing prayers, but I can also see it as like like a gendered issue. Like between y'all's stories, you talked a lot about like this kind of like juggling or like balancing of your Muslim and Asian identity. Um, And it always felt like in certain spaces, you had to compromise parts. Um, And I'm wondering how did you how did you and if you ever felt like you were ever like not muslim enough or like not asian enough
2: you know it's funny cuz you took that straight out of our notes <laughs> like literally we wrote down like not feeling you know muslim or asian enough like straight in our notes um
0: uh,
2: yeah cuz you cause we were you, you were talking it. about yeah i didn't even need to, send it to you yeah, <laughs> we were talking about how like a lot of times like Yusuf and I and our family, like, our family members, we often get mistaken for, like, other races. Um, and, like, people just look at us and they're, like, like, what are they? You know, like, my family often jokes that, like, um, you know, my dad's, like, like, this Chinese man is walking around, walking around with this, like, Hispanic woman. But they're kids. Like, who are they? Like, we can't tell what they look like. And it's, like, I don't know. It's, like, that constant feeling of, like, having to... Um, I guess, like, I I like, growing up, you know, like, in middle school and high school, I had this, like, constant feeling of having to, like, tell people I was Muslim, tell people that I was Southeast Asian, tell people that I was Indonesian, but, like, once I got into, like, college, once I, like, you know, was able to be surrounded by, like, both groups of people, like, people who fit the same, like, intersectional that I did, I kind of felt like, like, I, there's no point in having to define myself, or, like, I'm not defined, like, having to, like, explain myself to people, like, when I'm, like, when when I'm praying, it's, like, I, I think the reason why I, like, couldn't tell, I couldn't bring myself to tell my teacher was because I had to explain to her one first that I was Muslim because, you know, like, I guess I should mention this. When I, when I was growing up, um, I didn't start wearing the hijab until I was in college, so I wasn't visibly Muslim um, until then. Um, I don't know if that's the correct term, and if not, I'm sorry, but um, I, like, I had to explain to her first that I was Muslim, and then explain to her what I was doing, and then I explained to her why I was praying, and I think that, like, thought process of having to explain all of that and go through such lengths to tell her why I was going to the bathroom like I was out of class for so long like that was just like exhausting to me
1: (laughs) I think like I kind of went through that too like just having to like explain myself like I mean I didn't I didn't feel like I looked like Muslim because I it wasn't like like you couldn't see that I'm Muslim unless like you knew my name like even then like some people didn't know um and then like just like Honestly, like a little bit of the fear of um, like being judged, like because in the U.S., like sometimes Muslims were looked down upon by like certain people, like with like the, uh, like with like I don't know, like the the premonition between like like nine eleven and like ISIS and all that. So like just having to like explain myself, like like I'm Muslim, and just like I guess like being anxious about like what how people will react to that. That's kind of a, sense. so like you're kind of like push yourself back, like you know what, now nah, I'm just I'm just not gonna talk about it. Like how like in college, like. How you had to like constantly explain yourself like in or like in like the early like k through 12 like years i definitely like went through that too like i i honestly like went up to like people like yo guys what race what race am i and like they'd, they'd i'd like make them guess and, like and honestly no one like guessed indonesian because like it's such a minority here but we can go into more depth than that later but like yeah it's uh not feeling more like between like both like sides of asian and like, Muslim. Um, I think definitely in high school, like middle school, like there were some moments where like people didn't, because like Indonesian and in, like is like such a a, min- a minority thing. So I think like one time in particular, like I went into like, I was at my workplace and then like one of the, uh, the employees there was like Somali. She's like a year younger than me. I was in like sophomore year of high school. And then she's all like, uh, Yusuf, do you even pray? And I'm all like, What? because, like, I told her I was Muslim, like, I have a Muslim name, she's all, like, you don't, if you're a Muslim, you have to be either, like, Arab or Somali, and I'm all, like, huh, no, I'm Indonesian, like, how do you guys pray, do you pray differently, and I'm, like, no, we pray, like, just the way, like, everyone else prays, like, in Islam, they're, like, no, you have to be, like, either, like, Somali or, like, Arab, so you're Arab, right, and I'm, like, what, no, probably, because, like, they didn't get, like, exposure to, like, other, um like, races or, like, ethnicities within, like, the religion of Islam, because, like, it's so diverse, but, like, just, like, The minority like the prominent like thing that people see in like in like muslims is like like arab or like middle eastern and then like somali like especially in minnesota because like that's the general majority of it yeah again i guess like also in um i went to a lot of islamic schools like growing up and um i guess like i was always like the minority and uh i was just like the only asian kid there i feel like i got bullied a lot is, is this kid Chinese or something? Because like they didn't know, like they probably haven't seen like an Indonesian Muslim. And that like those like experiences, I felt like um, I, if I have to be Muslim, I have to be either like Arab or like Somali or just like the general like races that like people see. And it was just kind of weird, like being a minority. And in terms of like Asian identity, like uh, the, the Asian group of people I surrounded myself with, there were like a lot of East Asian and like Viet and Cambodian people. And um, I always, like, compared myself to, like, them and just, like, Asians in media, so like, uh, like, actors and stuff like that, especially, like, the Korean guys, okay, but, like, I'm um, just thinking about how, like, like, at the time, I didn't feel like I looked Asian enough, to be honest, like, my hair, my hair didn't look that way, and, like, my skin and, like, my face shape was, like, wasn't very, like, like, defined as, like, what is it, like, like G-Dragon from Big Bang or something and um yeah just like I didn't feel like I looked Asian enough like growing up in that sense so like and comparing that myself to my friends too they all had like straight hair it was very like very thin and they all had like smaller eyes like I felt like I had like really big eyes like growing up like as a kid compared to like most Asians so like that in that sense I'm like oh I don't feel like Asian enough like compared to them and like I didn't like in a, in a Muslim, like I obviously knew I was Muslim, but like surrounding myself with like the other like Muslim people, it was kind of weird, like being like the only like non, like, like non majority like Muslim race. Once I got into like, once I grew up and I attended this, uh, this Indonesian Muslim conference called Muktamar, like Indonesian and Malaysian, and like going there and seeing more like people like myself. And like even before that, I was part of a like, uh, like an Indonesian like Muslim group called like Pangajian um in uh what is it like in minnesota like we're like all the indonesian like muslims group because like we're such a small minority and like we all gather and, like know each other generally in the state so like those were like that was like a time where i could like meet people i knew like similar to uh to myself and like those two identities and the intersectionality and then like going to muktamar like that like really brought, opened my eyes to like how like all of the different like indonesian slash malaysian muslims in the united states and seeing like more people like we all related to each other in the in some way shape or form because we're all like either like southeast we're all southeast asian muslims and like we had like similar experiences growing up so like finding like that kind of community was like really cool to see
2: i always disliked having to go to islamic school over the weekends because i just it was like you don't i don't know like kids don't like to have to go to school like every day um but i went to a um, so, I grew up in Minneapolis, um, you know, small community here, shout out to them, you know, masjids would not be here, um, the mosques, um, masjid mosques um, would not be here without them, um, the Muslim community here would not be so strong if it was not for them, but yeah, so I went to like a really, I, I went to, I want to say it was predominantly East African um, Duxi is what they call it, Islamic school Duxi. Um, and, they were all just like very sweet, very welcoming and like very nice to us even though we were literally the only like my sisters and I were the only family there that were not um East African. Um shout out to them they're really nice.
0: I remember last time we talked um Nisa you're talking about how a f- you were talking you were saying a few things one that there's not a large Indonesian Uh, muslim population here in the first place right and so um and so in that but also in like the muslim community and and in the asian community um, being indonesian and being um being indonesian in general you felt like it feels like being the minority of minorities And so I'm wondering if the both of you could speak to that.
2: Okay, yeah. I mean, after our last conversation, Yusuf and I kind of looked into some more um, Indonesian immigrants to the U.S.
1: We were doing a lot of research into, like, why, um, like, Indonesia and Indonesians are, like, such a minority in the U.S. And just, like, looking at, like, different, like, different explanations and statistics for it, like, Indonesians, like, they don't usually, like, whereas, like, most, like, East Asians or just, like, Southeast Asians, like, come to the U.S. for... Like the, the government brings them here for like, like reasons like, such as like refugees and stuff from like war. Uh, for the most part, when it comes to like Indonesians coming here, they come here for like schooling and like business and jobs. Cause like, I think mean, most of like the Indonesian students at the U, like just like not, not just Muslim, Indonesians, just Indonesians in general, they're like a lot of international students that go to the U, they're just trying to finish up like, like grad school or just like undergrad studies. My dad, for example, like him and my mom got married in indonesia and they lived there and i think my dad like got a job first in singapore so they were living in singapore for a bit and then i think uh his department got like relocated to the u.s and they needed people to work in that facility yeah it's mostly like them coming here for like business and um work or school so like not in the sense that like they're forced to come here in a refugee sense
2: yeah even then um i think yusuf you also read that like Indonesian is trying to migrate to the U.S. with a refugee status. Is all, it's not easy to do. There's, it's hard to like justify that. Um, and also, yeah, my family came here for the same reasons. My dad um, got a job here, and we all moved over here. Um, there's, I think there's also the, uh, like, it's you can't get a dual citizenship with the Indonesian passport or with Indonesian. Uh, you can't get a dual citizenship with Indonesia and the U.S. or with Indonesia any country, really. So that makes it, again, like I guess speaking on use of like patriotism patriotism. Um, in Indonesia, like a lot of people probably wouldn't want to, you know, like let go of that and get citizenship somewhere else. One of the biggest reasons why there's not many Indonesians here, a lot of Indonesians here, they're in California, um, on the um, East Coast, there's really not a lot here in the Midwest at all.
0: Thinking about the audience of this podcast, but then just, like, in general, what are ways that, and I I guess it'd be different for everyone, but that y'all feel like you would have appreciated being supported by your friends or, like, by other community members. What would have that looked like for y'all in particular? Because i assuming everyone wants to be supported differently.
2: Yeah, I mean, I you know, like Muslims, it can be of any race, of any like, you know, like ethnic group, like just understand that. And like, it's not weird to be Southeast Asian and Muslim at the same time. It's not weird to be East Asian and Muslim at the same time. It's not weird to be like European um, and Muslim at the same time. Like that's like, I think the beauty of Islam is that like the people come from all parts of the world and you can find a predominant group of Muslims there. and that, like you know, just understanding that, you know, you can be a religion and you can be a certain ethnic group and a certain race. That the, those two things, it's not one or the other. And also, like I like I mentioned this, like not having to like explain myself to my teachers. Like, like I don't have to look Muslim for me to do like to practice Islam. Right? That's my input. What do you think, Yusuf? <laughs> there's
1: like elitist like not elitist but like some races like see themselves better as others and just put down other people because of their race like there's there's racism in islam which is really unfortunate even though it like promotes like diversity with like the national like there are so many muslims in the world so like even as a muslim like just like accepting the fact that there's like it's not just like somalis or arabs or daisies. there's more to it anyone can be muslim like even like there are like converts out there that like like that were not born muslim and they converted into islam it's like being accepting of them, even if you're like not not in the majority of Muslims, you're still good enough to be like Muslim, or even even in that sense. Also, like in the sense of like just being accepting to other cultures, like in the all Arab Islamic school that I went to, like they taught everything in Arabic, like literally all like all their packets and notes and were in Arabic, and I'm just like I felt like I really felt like an outsider, like at the time. So just like being inclusive, like other other like identities, like in the in, in, in the institutions that you go to, yeah, just like being inclusive in that sense, and like a comment, like. What is it like accommodating like everyone's needs and not just like towards the majority but
2: yeah yeah that's a good point um i think a lot of mosques are actually going you know more in the direction of being more inclusive and like having more like you know english code and everything but of course like that's still obviously a problem in some <clears throat> some other masjids, of course
1: and also like i guess like i kind of faced a bit of like racism in the past not not even that but like in I think like back in like 2014, 20, yeah, that that time when like ISIS was a big thing, I think like everyone kept screaming Allahu Akbar, which is like very, the meaning of like, they see it as like a, like a terrorist war cry because like that's kind of how it's portrayed in like media and like just videos like that people see like in the mainstream. Whereas like it, for like us Muslims, it means like, it's something like, it's like a call to prayer, which is like very like near and dear to us. And just like, they, like my friends, like, who I called really close like they knew I was Muslim but they'd still like um and they'd like be like that like friendly like to me in that sense that I'm Muslim but like at the same time like when they're like messing around with like each other they'd like scream like they they like scream like that that phrase and like in that like terrorist like sense when I'm like still there like and they know that I'm Muslim so like it felt kind of fake to be honest so like just like acknowledging your friends and like knowing that like they might take offense to something, like some some type of way. Just don't be just don't be racist, all right? Yeah, I don't know.
0: And xenophobic, it sounds like. So I'm wondering if there was like anything else that you would like to share, anything like that.
2: Okay, so there's actually one more thing that I wanted to talk about that I wasn't able to fully cover in the podcast. So I'll talk about it a bit more now, um, hopefully with a clearer head as well. And I have my notes here in my hand. So if I'm looking down, I'm just looking at it to make sure that I'm touching on every point that I wanted to. Um, but anyways, so I feel like, you know, many Muslim countries, Muslim countries have its own sort of the hijab and hijab kind of has its own place in the country, whether politically, culturally and spiritually influenced. Um, I kind of just thought, you know, talking a bit about the hijab in Indonesia and a little bit about my experience with it growing up as well. Um, this is all based on my own experience and my own observation. So I'll just preface that. And if anyone's correct me for any reason, I am totally open to hearing more about that because, you know, this podcast is all about educating one another, and I would love to hear more of other people's perspectives about this as well. Um, so anyways, as I was growing up, I kind of noticed that a lot of the women in my family, you know, my Muslim Indonesian family, a lot of the women started wearing the hijab at a certain point in my lifetime. And, you know, from the moment, from the moment when I was born to the moment, well, to the present time, to where I'm now, um, a lot more women in my family started wearing the hijab. And that's also apparent with, you know, general Muslim Muslim woman population in Indonesia, um, more women decided to wear the hijab. And, you know, I've always wondered why that was the case. um, How did that come about and what led to it? Um, So the experience with the woman in my family is one and, you know, generally just seeing Indonesian women that I know starting to wear the hijab uh, more often. I was also talking to an Indonesian friend once and she asked me why I decided to wear the hijab. And while we were having this conversation, she'd actually brought up that you know a lot of the reasons that girls in Indonesia wear the hijab is because it's trendy and it's considered you know cooler um hip whatever you want to call it and that you know having the right intentions in wearing the hijab and how important that is and hesitance in wearing the hijab because of that trend and you know avoiding that social influence in addition to wearing the hijab I mean um but anyways so Yusuf and I were doing some research on this. Um, I was told other other things when I was asking my parents and other Indonesian elders that were around me, um, who were you know around at the time. But according to our research, um, in 1998, after the fall of the Suharto regime, regi- oh my gosh, the Suharto regime, um, who was the second president of Indonesia, after the fall of his presidency, with the emergence of democracy, more women decided to wear the hijab, and more women were able to wear the hijab, and. I was kind of just told other things by the people around me. I was told that there was just a shift and women just decided to embrace religion, Islam, more. I thought that was really interesting. Um, Take that as you will. If anyone would want to have any input on this, reach out to me. I would love to hear more again. And, you know, just taking this knowledge, taking this perspective into account when I'm also, when I decided to wear the hijab and how I was influenced with external factors other than spiritual to wear the hijab and to become a hijabi. Um, I learned a bit more about the cultural influence and how I was, you know, seeing the woman around me wear the hijab, seeing my family members wear the hijab. I was like, I kind of felt more comfortable wearing it as well. Um, Seeing other people people wear the hijab makes you more comfortable wearing the hijab, you know, just kind of how most things work. I'm being very repetitive, but My mother started wearing the hijab when I was in middle school. My sister started wearing the hijab. My older sister started wearing the hijab when she started college, which is the same time when I started wearing the hijab as well, when I started college. So we both started wearing the hijab kind of as expected, you know, by our parents um, around, uh, you know, 17, 18, 19, when we go into college. Um, I personally took that as a step to maturity. I took that as, you know, me embracing Islam based on my own spirituality, and I've grown to learn enough about Islam, understand the hijab enough at this point that I um, can wear it for my own spiritual reasons. Um, But that's not, like, I also wanted, I thought about it a bit, and I was like, it's not 100% true to say that it's only spiritual. Um, I was only, I'm only wearing it for spiritual reasons, which you know, I would hope at one point in my life that I could wear it 100% for spiritual reasons, right? But it's hard to say that there's no cultural and social influence in me wearing the hijab. And I'm sure that goes for many other, you know, cultures, many other Muslim women around the world. So, yeah, that's just my input on how I started wearing the hijab and in the hijab in, in Indonesia. And again, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the podcast um, since I'm, re- I'm recording this afterwards, but... You know the whole story with the math teacher and how I was kind of just scared to tell her that I was going to pray because I wasn't like visually I didn't look Muslim. And you know, looking back at that now, like I feel like now that I am, you know, visually Muslim, I look like a Muslim So that I wear the hijab, I would feel a lot more comfortable just straight up telling her like, hey, I gotta go pray. You know, like that's just what I gotta do and have to explain myself less. And you know, the aspect of having to explain myself less, I am glad to have, but obviously, again, just going back to that, having to explain yourself is so unnecessary, um, and nobody needs that, which is really, know, you know, it gets really annoying, and it's pretty out of line, so, yeah, I hope this was helpful, and again, um, I would love to hear everybody else's opinions, and I know isn't like, this is me speaking in a podcast, so it's not, like, a discussion format or anything, but, um, please do share any information you would like to share with me any corrections and whatnot so yeah
0: thank you for sharing that um I think it's a important aspect and like part to talk about and now all the podcast list, podcast listeners know um <clears throat> I think it's a in that way I think the hijab and like Um, Those who wore it, which it sounds like are predominantly women, um, kind of made it a political act to like um, make a stance and like wear the hijab. So that's so powerful, I think.
2: I will say thank you for having me here. It was really fun to organize. I learned a lot in the process. Um, Yusuf and I stood up very late last night talking about this, and that was very fun. We learned a lot. yeah, thank you, um Jenny, for inviting me. Thank you, Yuza, for inviting me. This was a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you both too. It was Jenny like reaching out to me, especially for like the opportunity. It was really nice to have Nisa. Like, I'm glad you could like join us and like give like your side of the entire thing. Uh shout out Masu. Y- y'all are great too. Like <laughs> great. I spoke at like the conference in the fall and it was really fun. But yeah. Um,
0: yeah you so did a workshop so cool so cool um but um thank you both for being on here um and like honestly putting in putting in so much energy to explain and i know that y'all talked about how like that sucks right but um so like thank you for that labor and i hope that whoever like listens to this podcast really takes something away um and maybe, fingers crossed, cause less harm to other folks in the future. Um, So thank you for that labor and your time and your research and your story. Just like, thank you for being here.